You're listening to the Nutmeg Arena by the Nutmeg Assist. Hello and welcome to another episode of the TNA podcast brought to you by the Nutmeg Assist. I'm your host Ritwik and I'm joined today by my co-host Chris. Hello Ritwik. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great. I mean it's it's a little hard uh, because there's been several things happening here but yeah, all yeah. all good yet. And, yeah, and today we are joined by our special guest for the episode, the founder of Sempre Inter, who, and he's a journalist, Nima Tavale. Welcome, Nima, to the show. Thanks a lot. It's good to be with you. Yeah, it's great to have you as well. And we will be talking a lot on Inter Milan in this episode. But before moving on to Inter, we would actually like to do a quick review of the Serie A season. And since the Champions League has also decided that both the Italian clubs are going to go out, so that that's also something that we we can touch upon. So Neymar, this season probably has been, I guess, the closest title race since the the Napoli Sari season, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I I disagree with that because this season is it wasn't really close. Uh, the points may look that way at the end, but Uber stopped playing. Um, you know, this title has been Juve's to win all season, um, and even though it might look, it looks closer than it is, that season that was really close because it went to the wire. This this was over yeah. a long time ago, and Juve limped over the finish line, um, yeah. and in a very unimpressive way, which I think kind of is is partly the reason why Maurizio Sarri was sacked. Um, the the inability to win, uh, despite having so many chances to 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 seal the season off. Um, I think was kind of key in that and the yeah, decision yeah. to second. Do you think, Nima, do you think, uh, like you've said there, I agree totally with what you're saying. It was, it was sort of a strange season in Italy. Do you think with Juventus, as you quoted, they're limping over the finishing line. Do you think the other teams, such as Atalanta, Inter Milan and even Lazio, just never truly believed they could win the league? I don't think it's an issue of belief with Inter's case. I think the, the it's several issues there. Um, first, with Inter's case, it's it's on t- in, you know this was not the season when Inter was supposed to win the league. So the fact that yeah. they, the fact that they were even thereabouts is, is quite amazing. Um, is 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 quite an co- accomplishment by Antonio Conte. But I think the reason why Conte is himself so pissed off is because because he knows that this was a winnable Scudetto. He knows this was a Scudetto that, you know, you were, were there for the taking and Inter, Inter bottled it. You know, they're, they're, yeah. you, know you, can, you, you can say half full, half half empty as much as you want, but but the facts are that there. Inter could have won and dethroned Juventus this season, and they didn't because, mainly because of Antonio Conte's weird tactical setups against teams like Sassuolo you know uh, the the Bologna game just after lockdown that's four points right there um, yeah. and then you have you have games before then where where Conte cost Inter the game uh, cost Inter the points because of his you know his, his his incredible stubbornness which is at times his weakness but also his strength so i think but the thing with him is he's a winner and he knows deep down inside that this was a winnable scudetto that it was there for the winning and he failed uh, and I and for him, it's it's difficult to accept that responsibility. So he goes off on tangents and tantrums, blaming everyone under the sun and throwing people <laughs> under the bus that have nothing to do with being thrown under the bus. Even though he made very good points in a lot of the things he said. Uh, after you know, it's just the timing of it, and also the fact that he is he is himself to blame, and he can't he can't accept that because uh, he can't accept defeat. He's never been good with that, neither as a player and as a coach. Uh, which is again, it's both his strength and his and, and his uh, and his weakness. But we'll have to wait and see. 
we have to wait and see. I mean, this uh, Inter are in a very, very... I mean, the Serie A has never been so confused as it is right now. Um, Milan are in are, are big question mark around them. Inter's future is a huge question mark. Who stays? Who goes? What's going to happen? And then you have Juventus... With 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 the, with the revolution they started with Pirlo, getting rid of Sarri, uh, you know what's going to happen there? Um, you know, yeah. is, is Cristiano is Cristiano Ronaldo going to leave? I think he is. Uh, I think they're going to sell him to PSG to cash in on him, because not only would they get money for him, they would also clear something like 30 million gross per or, or net even uh, 30 million. Uh, in 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 his wages, uh, wage costs. Uh, I can't remember yeah. if it's gross or gross or net, but he's got two years left. That's sixty million. That's a lot of money. That 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 allows yeah. you to rejuvenate. Same thing with Higuain. Bonucci wouldn't surprise me if he's offloaded, shipped off to Man City, where Pep Pep has wanted him for a hundred years and might get him now. Um, <laughs> you know. So so no, I, I honestly think that this is the Juve. This is typical Juve. They they always lead the way when it comes to change they know that if either you either you are the one leading the change or you're the one who has to chase and you've have done this before with Zidane in 2001 when they cashed in on him and brought in Nedved and and three other world-class players and and they you know created a new cycle there they, they this is classic Juve they know that they have to create a new winning cycle uh because yeah. the play the squad is looking old um and so, but then again, Pirlo, you know, Pirlo as a person and a character is very much the Los Stile Juve, but he's never coached, literally never coached. He was appointed nine days ago. We're recording this on the 9th of August, on the 30th of July, the 31st of July, he was appointed under 23 coach of Juve. He's never coached. He's never coached a game. So, but it's Andrea Pirlo. His understanding of the game and his football IQ is through the roof. As a player, he showed that time and time again. Um, I don't think he'll be the one running the... The regime and the training exercises, I think that will be his assistant team. I think it will be Baronio or whoever he chooses. But he'll be the guy who will put the formation and, and, and run through the tactics. I have no doubt about that. Now, it, it is a gamble. Let's not beat under the bush. But it's impossible to say whether it's, uh, a, you know, whether it's a bad decision or a good decision. We don't know. We just know that as a person, as a character, as a player, uh, as, a, as a, you know, he's, he's Juve through and through. Yeah, and do you think do you think this will then make next season that even more exciting? Because sh- surely Inter Milan, given the fact that they've only finished a point behind Juventus now, I've got to be looking at next season as also a winnable Scudetto, as you mentioned. Given the fact that we no, no one knows how it's going to work out with Pirlo in charge of Juventus, Inter. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, nobody knows, but that's what I mean. The Serie A is, is exciting. Roma have a new owner. You know what's going to happen there. The project there. Milan, you know, you have the Napoli is looking exciting. It's 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 very it's very much up for grabs next season. I think the only season, the only team that has any continuity is Atalanta. And I said before this whole thing with Pirlo broke that as things stand today before the Mercato. I, I have Atalanta as my favorites to win the Scudetto because they're the only ones with a conti- with, who have any continuity. They have a coach who's been who, who knows the system and has got the players to play it. They have the money to keep their biggest stars. If they can do that, I, I would have Atalanta as a as my favorite to win the to win the Champions League. Uh, sorry, yeah. to win the to win, to win the Serie A. Yeah, as things yeah. are today. Yeah. But I mean, it's impossible to say because the Mercato doesn't open until September first. And closes in October. Everything, everything is very much up in the air right now. So it's very difficult to say anything about next season. But as things stand today, based on continuity and based on 
the players adapted to the coach and the coach having players adapting to his system it's it's without a doubt uh, it's without a doubt uh, atalanta today yeah yeah and and nima another team probably who closed the gap with juve was lazio i mean at 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 a certain point in the season they were also looking like uh, that they would actually chase down juventus but mm. then they had that drop in form they had that lot of inconsistency in between inzaghi has done a terrific job at lazio but do they really have a depth to probably compete for the scudetto no no they don't and it's it's quite clear they didn't because when it really mattered the most they fell on their feet um i mean they were i think if they if you know the the, the pandemic and the lockdown really hurt uh, lazio i think they could have gone further than they did but but again they don't have you know they have patrick and johnny you don't win the serie a with patrick and johnny you know it's it's just you know you just you just don't um, and and they need to build on that um squad depth to be able to do something serious in, in that aspect um so no i i i think lazio for them it's the same thing there can they keep milenkovic savic milenkovic savic can they keep their best players and and build on that because Luis Alberto has been phenomenal for them and Milinkovic Savic yeah. as well Acerbi has been world class uh, in in defense he turned out to be absolutely brilliant replacing De Frey in a way that not many expected him to do can he repeat that next season you know it's 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 a lot of question marks again but i still think that the top 3 the top 4 i mean Juve Inter are in a league of their own together with Atalanta then the fourth place I put Lazio and Milan in the, and and maybe Roma in the same bracket there. But uh the top 3 for me though they they are really in a league of their own. Uh, Atalanta, Juve and Inter. Yeah, and and you know I mean as we all know FFP is FFP is kind of a joke anyway, but I mean we we seen with the recent city uh, announcement as well. But with FFP restrictions being kind of reduced or you know kind of being eased upon this summer and Roma having a new owner Do you think that Roma might invest a lot this season and try to you know close the gap to Inter and Juventus? I there's no doubt that I don't think but you see the, the free the Dan Friedkin he's you know he's not he wants to do this for the long term and he knows that the key to that is by a new stadium. I think that's where he's going to put a lot of effort in uh to build that new stadium for Roma. That's a really that's such an important step that I can't stress that both Inter and Milan all these teams I mean Atalanta own their own stadium you know yeah. Juve own their own stadium Udinese own their own stadium all these clubs you know the, the key to success is off the pitch finances and you cannot compete unless you own your own stadium so Inter and Milan and 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 Roma have to build their own stadium it's it's imperative so I think I I I expect the same thing there I I expect them to build long term I don't you know he's he's there to build something long term not to build something short term um and uh, I I I don't expect them to spend lots of money I I think the the appointment of the coach if they keep Fonseca Fonseca or do they bring in someone like Pochettino uh who's the sporting director is it Petracchi uh, or is it Sabatini even coming back Will it be Spalletti? I mean, we we don't know what's going to happen. There's so many uncertainties. I think it's impossible to say anything right now, especially since the the sale doesn't even go through until the end of August. And and another team who's like kind of rejuvenated probably after the horrible start to the season was Napoli under Gattuso. Gattuso was probably and Gattuso left Milan last summer, and I I heard a lot of Milan Milan fans say that 
it was probably unfair they they should have probably given gattuso more power more time but he left because the the were definitely disagreements i guess but he's done a good job with napoli so far so do, do you see napoli also probably coming into the mix because serie a is probably getting more interesting with more teams you know competing uva i mean, i know like you said i know the gap is pretty huge from inter uva and the others but do you see the gap getting smaller and smaller um no because juventus are so miles ahead of everyone else i think inter and juve are the ones who are miles ahead of everyone else uh and still Uh, Juve, Juve will always be in the top. They will never, ever not be in the top two or top three. It's just not going to happen. A third place would be an utter failure for them. Um, I, but having said that, you know, they, they, they look at things long term, and that's why they're so well run. They don't have an issue not winning the Scudetto two years if they can win it the next six years. That's how they think. They don't care. You know, that, that's, how they, that's how they look. Whilst the other clubs want success now. And, and, you know, that's why they don't have any success now, because they don't look uh, further than the others do. Yeah. Uh, can I just ask uh, as well, Nima, Inter Milan, Inter Milan obviously finished second uh, already in the Champions League. Do you think that will affect their motivation in the Europa League to actually go on and win it? For Inter, it's about winning titles. Um, it's yeah. that simple. Uh, any title is a title they have to win they haven't won since 2011 the Italian Cup uh, yeah. and con- con- it's about winning titles and getting into that mentality um, and uh, so so for me I, th- th- there's no doubt in my mind that they want to win it and I mean if, if you had to sum up the whole Serie A season probably in a few words how would you put it I mean who would your MVP of the season be I mean we've seen like Serie A go ahead with Dybala if I'm not wrong No, I think, uh, for me, it's um, kind of hard not to give that MVP slot to Ciro Immobile because if you score, if you if you equal the goal-scoring record, um, you know, Dybala's been fantastic after Christmas, but, but Immobile's been consistently the best player um, in terms of goals and, 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 and also what he offers to Lazio. Luis Alberto and Papu Gomez have also been consistently much brilliant. But the the highest level that Dybala reaches when he's at his best, no one in the Serie A has come close to. There's no doubt about that. But the MVP, you have to give to someone who performs the most consistently over the season. And for me, Dybala hasn't been consistent throughout the season. He's been brilliant after Christmas, but before, uh, but not so much before then. So, you know, so for me, it's you have to give it to Immobile. I mean, if you score 36 goals and, I mean, equal the goal all-time record, you just, you know, there's no discussion. And and apart from the normal top six or the top four or the top teams, basically, which team has surprised you the most? Hellas Verona, without a doubt. I mean, even though they didn't finish in the top six, Hellas Verona is, they were destined to for the drop, but they looked really, really good. Uh, I mean, the way they played and finished, they were fighting for a European spot. It's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, break, you know, the, the way they played with Kumbulla, Rahmani, Amrabat, uh, Ivan Juric, who was a coach I really didn't rate. The way he's got them playing a fantastic 3-4-3 or 3-5-2, depending on how you want to count, it's looked really, really well. Uh, and I'm really, really impressed. Yeah. And before we move on to Inter, Nima, I, I, I'd just like to talk a few things on, or probably ask you a few things on Milan, AC Milan, your city rivals. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I, I guess the whole world was expecting Ralf Rangnick to come in. But all of a sudden, you see Gazidis giving his trust to Pioli and Pioli extending and Rangnick is now off from Leipzig as well. So it, it's it's like it's been a 
it's been a very very big u turn i would say so what's the whole situation at milan there and do, do you think this might be the right decision to make to stick with pioli uh <laughs> the chaos at that club is so i mean everything they've done i mean basically they sacked they sacked pioli and maldini when they officially sacked boban and because yeah. ragnik was going to come in and then they did then then all of a sudden things went well and ibrahimovic turned out to be a phenomenon and led this young team like a father for this young team and they started winning games and looking so stable and then all of a sudden you know they just they see that it's a huge gamble to bring in uh rangnik who's never coached in italy doesn't really know anything you know does has never has no experience from italian football uh brilliant in german and germany what he's done for leipzig is is phenomenal uh, and even before then in his previous jobs but it was a huge gamble um and they decided not to do that uh and now there's they're in in a situation where it looks good but i mean it's not it doesn't look very long term it looks very short term again and i don't know if the rangnik decision would have been the right one but anything is better than this kind of this this marco giampaolo stefano pioli kind of situation because stefano pioli has never really succeeded more than one season at lazio consistently he's always been you know we call it this i call it the, at the serie a show we call it the pioli high it's short but sweet and it's always been like that in his career now can it work with ibrahimovic there that remains to be seen i mean it's looked really well after christmas but but having said that i still think that they need i think luciano spalletti would be ideal for them and it wouldn't surprise me if they if he became their coach at some point in not so in the not so distant future because when things go bad with pioli they go bad pretty fast and uh you know he has again we've seen it with lazio we've seen it with you know with other clubs that he's been at with inter as well Uh, when he was there it's uh, he um I, i don't think he's got what it takes to coach a big club like that i think fiorentina torino is where he's at in terms of level uh but you know we'll see i mean it remains to be seen but it's very interesting to follow that i i think the you know for the serie a to be truly competitive they need the serie a needs a strong milan inter and juve those are the three b three three big clubs that can compete internationally as well with roma and napoli a distant third and fourth for the Serie A to thrive these five six clubs have to be really really strong right now there's only one one maybe two that are strong the rest are in complete disarray compared to what where they used to be and where they should be so you know inter have come a long way but they're still not there juve are there um so you know i i hope to see a strong milan as soon as possible um but i mean for them again what what it's not about who they sign it's about keeping donnarumma and extending his contract it's about chalanoglu what do you do there because he's looked really good do you do you extend that contract um benasser he's only got a 40 50 million uh, redemption clause fee that's nothing in this in this in this mercato they need to they need to remove that can they keep that so you know we'll, we'll have to wait and see I mean it's, there's a lot of uncertainties there but it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think Milan really really need I really want a strong Milan back. I really do. Yeah. Yeah and I, and, and also in term um, yeah and also in term uh, okay oh, oh, like sorry for interrupting but uh, in terms of transfer policies also I I don't think like it's it's clicked uh, for for a certain amount of time recently. I mean the the most recent signings like Benacer, Theo Hernandez has been probably successful. even rafael leo I, i guess the kid has a good uh, good good career ahead of him but 
and and ibrahimovic has definitely helped as well but if you look at it in the in, in the in a big picture i don't think milan has probably succeeded or done so well with the transfer business as well so that's also something that's really important for them to get this summer like you said nima yeah no i mean it's important as i said keeping their players is their most important thing and then buying someone for that right wing spot because what salem what salem makers and whatever you know and and yeah I, that right that full back on the right side is it's not good you know calabria is is not impressive um and uh, selemakers and castillejo you know these are squad rotation players at best so they need they need they need to strengthen there and they that we'll see what happens i mean how much money can they have can they spend how much can they afford you know how much want, do elliot want to do that but the most important thing elliot can do is to is to get that stadium built together with Inter. That stadium needs to be built for any of these clubs to have any possibility to return to greatness. It's just that simple. Yeah. Again, with Milan, I mean, all the points that you've you've raised there, Nima, are fantastic, and I, I agree with every one of them. The, the thing that confused me about the Ralph Rangnick deal was that, like you've mentioned, Ralph Rangnick, what what he's done uh, for Red Bull and what he's done at like Leipzig is. Is remarkable, really. He's, he's, he's had a he's had a, a big say in with the development of that football club, but he, it was never identified what he, what role he was actually going to come in as, and that's why I thought when when I was looking at, it, I was thinking, okay, then because at one point I was reading that he was going to be doing everything, he was going to be sport and director and manager. I mean, I mean, is that, I don't I don't even think that would be possible in this day and age the way football clubs to to run to actually do both roles, so. Given the fact that it was never identified, do you, do you think that's part of Milan's problem that they, they lack an identity both off the pitch and on the pitch, and it, and it's never really been there since Elliot took over the club? I mean, they aren't the miles off on the pitch for me. And don't get me wrong, they had a, like you've said, they've had a strong finish to the season, but it is it, it, for me it was just more about momentum rather than quality. That's the impression I, I got see, when that, I watched that, that, them. That, that, that I agree with you one hundred percent, and that's the point I was making earlier about. Pioli is is a, is not a long-term fix. It's a short-term fix. Rangnick, he needs time, but Milan don't have yeah. that time. But at the same time, they don't seem to have a vision either because the Elliott Hedge Fund, they have so much more things to do than to worry about Jack Bonaventura's contract extension. You know, it's like yeah. they, 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 have, they have other businesses. For them, Milan is just an investment among one of hundreds, you know, one of... One, one of one of several. They don't really, you know... For them, it's about turning this club around, raising the market value, cashing in, and and selling it onwards and to a profit. That's what they want to do. That's the whole idea. Yeah. Um, so and they're not really they haven't really hid that either. But and it's but what they've what they've identified that in order to do that they need to build a new stadium because that would increase revenues on levels that they're Milan are nowhere near. Um, so that, that that's the most important thing. And I think the the, the Rangnick thing turned out in the end to cost so much in the end. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it will it will cost a lot. Uh, to and it would require patience that they might not have. It would cost. And yeah. when I mean cost. I mean it would cost them long term. I mean if they don't qualify for Europe for the next two three years, that would cost them so much because it is a gamble. It's a risk. You bring in a coach who wants complete control. He's not a coach. He's a manager. He wants to be sporting director and coach and run everything in a league in a country he knows nothing really about because he has no experience yeah. about it from it and i think that's that in the end is kind of what got him to to pull the plug on that because he felt there yeah. were too many insecurities i think i think they kind of both came to the conclusion that this was this was not going to work out 
And I guess when you reach that point, it's a good thing that you say, you know, thanks, but no thanks for both of them. But having said that, you know, Milan need 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 a vision. I mean, the, when people forget how Berlusconi, how it started when Berlusconi took over, he appointed a, a an unknown manager and an, an unproven Arigosaki from Parma who helped build something. They had a vision. They built something. Milan doesn't have any. Don't really have an on pitch vision right now. Pioli, yeah, is not. You know, is, is, as you alluded to. I mean, it's it was it was great. It was motivation, but it's motivation can only get you that far. You need to build something sustainable over a long period of time. Yeah, yeah. So moving on from Milan to Inter, which is a club that you support, and yeah, like like you said. I mean, we've talked a few stuff about Inter already. The current season, the the whole Conte thing. But before moving, I mean, the whole idea was to talk about how Inter's done. This century, since the turn of the century, but just just uh, jumping in once more to the whole Conte thing. Do you think Antonio Conte might stay? Because uh, I've been hearing, I, I guess, from yourself as well on Twitter that there is certain doubts. There are certain doubts over his future. Well, I mean, he created them, didn't he? I mean, yeah. he uh, he's the one who who's gone out the past two months and one month and talks about everyone is under question, including the coach. Then he walks it back. Then he goes off on a tantrum saying he's not been supported or protected by the club at all uh, and throws everyone under the bus. No one likes to be thrown under the bus publicly, but he doesn't care about that. So, I mean, he's the one who's created this mess. Now, what happens after that, you know, we'll have to wait and see. I personally think that Inter are going to win the Europa League and I think they will part ways after that. Um, but but that's just me, you know. That's just what I think, my gut feeling. I don't. It's not what I'm reporting or have anything, you know, verified. It's just my gut feeling. So yeah. um, so we'll have to wait and see. I mean, but but having said that, I think it's a shame because the guy. I mean, this is the thing with Conte. He's an absolutely brilliant football manager. He's a visionary. He's an ideologue. He, when when it works, it's it's fantastic and unstoppable. Um, but but the problem with him is he has no impulse control and he has no. He's not. Emo- he's emotionally unstable. He can throw anyone and everyone under the bus when he's having a bad day, just because he can. I mean, it's it's just it's it's draining to work with. It's draining to be around, and it's a shame because if he could control himself, he'd be he'd be fantastic. Yeah, it, it would be a shame. I, I agree with Anna. I, I really I really hope you you your gut instinct is not is not correct there, Nima, because I, I would like to see him stay on, especially now given the opportunity that is going to be there this season. And that's not me discrediting Pirlo before he's even started, but there is going to be an opportunity given the fact that he, he's not coached for Inter Milan to go and win the league, especially if they make the right transfers, uh, the, the right transfers during the window. So I really hope he does stay on. It would be, it would be good or it'd be very interesting to see what, uh, what he does in the Champions League also, because surely that must have been a bit of disappointment to go out at the stage that he did it this season. Yeah, I mean, it was, of course it was. Uh, the The goal was to improve on every level, and they improved in the league for sure. The Coppa yeah. Italia, they were they were supposed to get to the final, they didn't. They were supposed to get through the group stage of the Champions League, they didn't. Um, and um, no, I mean, it's uh, it is a failure. From that aspect, it's a failure. But overall, it's it's an improvement. Inter have an identity. Yeah. They 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 have a they have a they have a group of players that are playing a football that has a kind of coherent line thread throughout everything they do and that's good because Inter were a mishmash before but it's he's given them an identity he's got he's built a team and a group that are willing to die for him and the cause which Inter haven't had in 10 years it's really really interesting um what he's done yeah um, so I think so, there's something no, go on yes, sorry 
No, 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 sorry, go. Yeah, I was going to say, the thing that surprised me most about when when he come out with the things that he said, and don't get me wrong, I've seen a few comments from yourself on Twitter saying, well, he, what he's actually saying is correct, but obviously it doesn't probably need to be said publicly in the manner that it has done. But the, the impression I got from Inter Milan, that this is, okay, it's established, and it, it was obvious that the, the like this year's Scudetto was a missed opportunity. They could have won the league this year if certain things went for them or if Antonio Conte had been less stubborn in certain games. But as a club, and the fact that they've con- got Conte in charge, th- this is the best position that I think Inter Milan have been in in 10 years. For sure. Without a doubt, it, it is like that. But, the, but there are so many question marks as well. I mean, what do you do? Do you sell Milan Skriniar, for example, because he doesn't work in a back three? Something that, you know, I, I was I was against me, uh, Antonio Conte's appointment because of his antics in terms of throwing everyone under the bus publicly. And yeah. uh, he's, a, he's a volatile character. And Inter are a volatile club. And it's like match meet gasoline tank. Um, so... <laughs> That, that, that's what I'm. I mean, the, the stuff he did, he can do that at Juve, but Juve are stable, and they can, you know, it doesn't have these ramifications. When he does it at Inter, it sends shockwaves through the club, and it does, <laughs> and it did. Um, so, so that's one of the reasons. The second reason was my. I had a highly. I doubted Diego Godin and Milan Skinia could adapt to a back three, and they really haven't all season. And in that situation, do you sell Milan Skinia, who can give you five to ten years and has shown proven beyond all doubt? That he wants to stay at the club, and he, you know, he can even become a captain and leader of that dressing room. And you do sacrifice him for a coach who's probably going to leave in one or two years when the PSG job or the Real Madrid job is, 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 is ready, is, is open, yeah. and he, and he wants it because that's how he operates. You know, he doesn't leave on good terms. He nukes the house down, and then he, you know, he, he marches on because it's because it's all about him at the end of the day and his career and. And protecting himself, and as it's been so far in his entire career, I mean, he's never. I mean, he left Italy. He didn't leave Juve on good terms. He barely. He did not leave Chelsea on good terms. He didn't leave the yeah. Italian national team on that, that on, on good terms. So he's. There's nothing to suggest that he'll leave Inter on good terms. So, yeah. but so so for me, it's. So I was against it, but now he's here. You got to give him what he wants. But I still think that you know, Marotta was supposed to be the Conte whisperer, the guy who can control this guy's antics and control his behavior and calm him down. At the end of the day, I think it will be Marotta who who has the final say on that. Um, I personally still think that it's going to be a mutual termination uh, at the end of the season. I think for him, it would be the ideal mic drop moment, finishing second in the Serie A with the same points tally of Mourinho's Inter, who won the treble, winning a title in Europe, which he's been accused of not being able to do. And, you know, he, for him, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a redemption and Inter. So, so he can, you know, he, his career, you know, his, his, his reputation will, will be, will be restored to some, to some extent. And 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 I think it'll be a mutual termination. I I hope not. I, I hope he stays, and I hope that Marotta can rediscover his ability to to control his his madness and 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 be able to channel it the proper way. Because if he can, Inter will be unstoppable. Um, because yeah. the football yeah. he plays, and uh, you know the you know if if he if if they can if they can you know calm him down without. Be sacrificing the signing Sandro Tonali to bring in a 55-year-old Arturo Vidal, then, then you know, because that's you know he gets he gets these things in his head, you know, he gets stuck with Edin Dzeko. I have to have Edin Dzeko. I have to have Arturo Vidal. <laughs> At Juve, it was 
you know, he threw a hissy fit and, and, and that famous quote about a hundred euro restaurant and 10 euros in a pocket, 10 euros in his pocket, he threw that hissy fit because Marotta didn't want to pay 45 million euros for Juan Iturbe. Like the, 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 these are the things he does. And if Marotta can, can find that, that ability again to calm him, you know, to control him and, 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 and bring him, bring in the young players in, in long term project that Marotta wants. And get this this guy to to work with him instead of against him. Inter have a fantastic project going on going forward. I mean, I don't mind. I I completely understand the idea of selling Marcelo Brozovic to build around Christian Eriksen, because Christian, the, the, you know, the peak Christian Eriksen's peak is way higher than Marcelo Brozovic's peak. Even Brozovic works at Inter and he looks great. Again, at the end of the day, it's risk calculation. Is it a work? Take, is it a risk worth taking to sacrifice Marcelo Brozovic to bring in a central midfielder who can clean up behind Eriksen together with Barella, Sensi, and if Tonali comes Tonali, behind Eriksen to play that football? Uh, because if it works, it would be amazing. I would, I would take that risk. I'm with Conte on this 100%. Uh, but I, there's also a, there's a limit to it as well. Milan Skriniar is, is a player who, who in a back four is one of the best in the world in his position. And it's hard to find central defenders of this age that are the, in this day, day and age that are that good, that give you that, yeah. that what, yeah. what he's given. So for me, it's like, okay, but I look at the market, I see midfielders that can adapt to Conte to unleash Ericsson, they are abundant. Central defenders that can give you five, ten years of world-class defending, not so much. So for me, it's 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 trying to balance those two issues with each other, because um, it's clear that Brozovic and Eriksson don't work together. You know, yeah, it's either, yeah. it's one or the other, yeah. and and yeah. again, it's a risk. I I personally would accept that risk uh, for for Christian Eriksson because I think his his peak is far higher than Brozovic's peak, or you know the 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 height of the level when he's at his best. I think Christian Eriksson gives you something else. He gives you a completely different dimension. He gives you things you don't you know, Inter haven't had since since uh, Snyder. Yeah, and and uh, probably I'd like to sneak in a pattern question here. Uh, I mean, since you've already answered a couple of questions that our patron Dieter Van Gogh already wa- has asked you, another couple of questions that he has for you is one one the one of the question is who has impressed you the most this season at at Inter Milan? So the second question being. Do you think that Inter should buy a backup for Handanovic because it's it's been a long time that he's. I don't. He's, I, I'll I'll answer that quickly. The best player of Inter consistently is Romelu Lukaku. There's no, there's no discussion. I mean, he's delivered from day one until now. Uh, he's breaking records. He's exactly what Conte needed and wanted and to to make his football work. And he has delivered consistently. He hasn't let Conte down once. So that there's no doubt on who's been the best. Player. As for the biggest surprise, Bastoni. Alessandro Bastoni has turned. I mean, this is a this young kid turned out to be absolutely phenomenal, and uh, he's been phenomenal. You know, that, what a what a find. And and again, that's all Conte. Conte's brilliant at allowing. I mean, Conte's criticized so much for unfairly. He, you know, he plays defensive football. No, he doesn't. He, there's nothing to support that. He plays. He he ha, he has defensive solidity, but that's not the yeah. same thing as being defensive in your approach. Um, what you know, Antonio Conte doesn't give young players the chance. Oh, really? He was the one who brought Paul Pogba to the fold. You know, he unleashed Paul Pogba. He's done it now. He did it with 
uh, with Christensen at Chelsea. He's done it now with Bastoni at Inter. He's no problem with young players. He's actually really good at giving them the chance uh, with Esposito this season as well. So, so I mean, you know, he, he is, you know, I, I think a lot of stuff that gets thrown his way is very, and the fact that, you know, he's not tactically flexible. Yes, he is. He started playing a 4-2-4. At Juve, he changed that to a 3-5-2 because it didn't work. Then he goes to Chelsea, changes to a 3-4-3, wins the league. Then he comes to Inter, 3-5-2, 3-4-1, 3-4-1-2. You know, so he is very flexible tactically. Um, So, uh, you know, Bastoni is is a brilliant, Esposito and others, and a brilliant examples of him giving young players a chance. Barella as well. I mean, let's remember, Barella's not so old either. So, you know, that, that is, uh, for me, it's, uh, Bastoni has been a big break. It's been the most, been the most positive surprise uh, this season. Um, as for Handanovic's replacement, uh, backup, I think Inter need to look for Handanovic's replacement. Handanovic can be Handanovic's backup. Uh, Inter need, need, a, need a first top, you know, need, a, need a number one goal, goalkeeper. Handanovic, I love the guy. I've, I've always thought the criticism against him has been really ridiculous. He doesn't move. You know, what do you mean doesn't move? Of course he moves. Uh, he's, he's very good on his feet. He, he's very good in terms of reflex, his re- reflexes. He's, he's made one of those ama- one, one magical save after another based on his reflexes. Um, you know, I, I think that's a bit of a hot take to say that he doesn't move. And he's, he doesn't move when the ball is impossible to save. Fine, he doesn't look good on TV, but he's not there to make people feel good on TV. He's there to save shots. Uh, and he does that really, really well. Um, so, but having said that, he's he's getting on a bit. Um, he's uh, he's not getting any younger, and I think he's peaked. I think this season has shown that he's peaked. Um, I wouldn't mind at all. I mean, for me, Juan Musso would be the guy I would I would replace him with. I think he is he is ready to be uh, Inter's number one goalkeeper. And you could do the you know you can do with him what what Inter did with Toldo and Julio Cesar. They had Francesco Toldo. They bought in Julio Cesar. They 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 got Toldo. Started accepting a backup role. Uh, Julio Cesar took over and became the best goalkeeper in the world. Similar to what Juve did with Buffon and Szczesny. They brought in Szczesny, they put Szczesny as backup for one season, and then slowly he took over from Buffon, and now Buffon is his backup. So I absolutely think that Inter need to do that. No doubt in my mind. Now who that is, you know, I am not. I think uh, Radu is a good is a good is a good goalkeeper, but I have a lot of doubts about as to his as to his ability to read the game. His, 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 his technique with the ball is phenomenal. He's, he's too good almost for a goalkeeper in terms of his technical ability with the ball. Uh, he, he does some, he, I mean, his control of the ball is fantastic with his feet. Um, I mean, he used to do on Inter social media, he used to do these trick shots that were just, I mean, it was, it was, it was like, um, it was like when you watch these ads of these freestylers, you know, like they, they, he did some insane yeah. things with the ball. Uh, so, so there's no doubt, you know, his technique is fantastic there with the ball. But mm, his read of the game, shot-stopping ability, I have serious doubts there. Serious, serious doubts. Juan Musso, I think, has shown in an awful team, in an awful Udinese for the past two, three seasons, that he is ready. He is good enough. To take that step, and I would love to see him at Inter. Yeah, but it doesn't. But, but it doesn't seem. But it doesn't seem that Inter are going that route. Recently, it's Alessio Cranio from Cagliari, who I think is a very good goalkeeper, uh, and I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind. But but the, but for sure, that is a position Inter need to look at, without a doubt. Yeah, and definitely the. Uh, I mean, the goalkeeper situation is something that Inter need to fix fast. And Juan Musso, like you said, I, I guess a lot of. Argentina national team fans have also spoken about him and 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 they're kind of 
hoping that he becomes the number one for the national team as well because he's impressed and they are also someone who's who's looking for you know an, an ideal candidate to be the number one because Sergio Romero doesn't start at all probably for Manchester United then Billy Caballero is past I, I think it's probably the best time for him to retire and the, the, there is a certain lack of you know goalkeepers at Argentina and the, that particular position has been uh, pretty what is mistake prone I would say probably in the last big tournaments that they played so yeah, Musa might be a perfect fit there as well for the national team. And if he comes to Inter, I think it's going to be a win-win situation for both the national team as, as well as Inter. No, I mean, I, I, I really rate Musa. But I think Inter are going after the Italian. They're looking for an Italian, uh, like young Italians. And I think Cranio, I like Cranio. I like him a lot. I think he's really, really good. Um, so I, I definitely go for him. Cool. One of the so, two, Musso, Musso or Cranio. But, uh, but I mean, uh, not Radu. I have serious, serious yeah. question marks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we are moving on to, I mean, talking about Inter, how, how they've done probably in this century. And I mean, I did a podcast with Chris, uh, probably two, three pod- episodes back. We talked about Marcelo Lippi. Chris yeah. had, an, had an article on Lippi. I mean, it, it was a two-part piece where he mentioned how Lippi functioned, how Lippi's tactical impact was, etc. So, I mean, th- there was a spell at Inter as well for Lippi. I, I guess the one-year spell where oh, he didn't do anything yeah. so great, but... In Inter were a team who were trying to you know sign superstars and stuff, but then they came to the 20, 21st century and now from two thousand and five to ten, I guess uh, Inter Milan had their golden era. Yeah. Like uh, five five scudettos in in a row and Mourinho coming in and doing his job, winning the treble, and it it, it was obviously quite obviously and quite clearly Inter Milan's probably arguably most successful era. Maybe I, like I mean probably it could be up for debate as well, but. Did you see that coming? I mean, in the early 2000s, because it it was not all smooth and smooth before, I guess. No, I mean, yes. When when Inter won the Scudetto after the fallout from the Calciopoli scandal, there was only Inter were the only that there was no doubt in my mind. Inter had to win. This was Inter's chance to not only win domestically but also win in Europe. So, uh, but I mean, we all I we always knew that after winning, you know, at some point it was going to end, and after this after. It was the Moratti era's last chance to for glory and for him to repeat what his father did in the 60s of winning Scudettos and European champion or you know European Cups or Champions Leagues that it was called back then. So yes, to from 2005-6 onwards with Mancini, there was no doubt that Inter were going to that this was Inter's chance to dominate domestically and also in in, in Europe. Um, so yeah, no expect yes after the after the fallout from the Calciopoli scandal, yes. I expected Inter to dominate in, in, in Italy for for quite some time. Is that is that period as a as a fan, Nima? When you look back at that period of 2000, say from 2006 to 2010, or is it is it tainted because of the scandal? Is Inter Milan's success in that period tainted because of the scandal? Sorry. Well, not. I don't think it is because the Inter weren't the ones who got caught and relegated. Uh, yeah. There were others who did. And besides, you know, it's it's like the Olympics when when someone cheats. And is caught for doping. The the medal goes to the person after them who didn't cheat and got caught for doping. You know, it's that simple. I I don't see it's anything tainted in that. It's also this is the culmination of 
you know, there's there's been a lot of dodgy things in 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 Italian football with 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 Juventus and the Agnelli family's undue power uh, and influence over Italian football. I think what Calciopoli did was kind of put an end to that. Uh, yeah. The, the old ways of how they had, they still have influence and incredible power. Um, but I'm, uh, but uh, but the way I see it is that it 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 stopped the old ways of doing business stopped uh, and. Which is good because it wasn't good at all. It was it was always the, the you know the the way the triad behaved with Bettega and Giraudo and Moji it was it was it was pretty gross you know it was, yeah. it was so blatant uh, and anyone who says anything else can simply simply you know the court documents are there all you have to do is read and this what about is a nonsense about what about you what about him no 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 what about any anyone you did this it's there just listen to it for the the the, the audio the audio <laughs> for themselves you know the, this yeah. is what you know blaming on other people for what you do and say well if i did it they did it too no they didn't the conversations between inter and the refereeing designators were about were, were things like did you get the christmas basket of salami i sent you that's the content of those con- conversations yeah. uh, not, not they were not the same that Moji had yelling and screaming about referees. I don't like this guy. I don't like that guy. You know, no, it, you know, it's, it's, you know, people can say what they want, but the facts are there. It's everywhere to see, and every single legal, every single court that Juventus have appealed to have rejected their claim and uphold the original verdict. So you know, it's just. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's like I I take the approach with Calciopoli that Richard Dawkins takes when dis- with people who want to debate creationism versus evolution. I don't do that. I I don't debate facts. Facts are facts, whether you like them or not. Calciopoli was real. It happened. Let's move on. Yeah, and obviously there's no denying the effect that it had on the Italian game because you could say obviously, especially in the 90s and even the beginning of the part uh, of this century, the early 2000s, Italian clubs. Financially, financially, and in terms of competing for European trophies, were always there about as well. Inter Milan, that one exception. I know AC Milan won it in 2007 as well, the Champions League. Inter Inter Milan winning it in 2010 come as I don't want to say a surprise because obviously Jose Mourinho was in charge of the club and he was brought to the club to actually bring that trophy. But as a as a fan, were you ever expecting to win the Champions League? Yes, that season was, yeah. was make or break. The 2009-2010 season really was the make or break season. It was yeah. it was the season where it was now or never. Uh, that's that was there was no doubt that that was the goal to win the Champions League. But I think the reason I think I think I think blaming the regress of Italian football from 2006 and onwards or 10 onwards on 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 Calciopoli is rather reductive because the the Premier League and the the financial structures in place to raise revenue, which is which which is what football is now. It is a revenue game. Uh, whoever yeah. has the most revenue is the one who has the most success. And the Premier League positioned themselves with the introduction of the Premier League from the old football league. Um, the TV deals, the you know how the how all clubs have to own modern stadiums, all of that that made the Premier League a much more marketable product, and and, and also re, you know resulted in revenue. Italy have got 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 council-owned stadiums that haven't most of some of them haven't been you know that were built after the after the Second World War, you know yeah. except for. So I think that is also a big part of it. The you know the the the, the inability of the city to market itself 
as a result of that as well, though these are issues that need to be resolved. Um, so that that's why Italian clubs haven't succeeded because the old business model was was not sustainable. I mean, the Italian business model for football clubs was, you know, the club goes in red, the owner, you know, pays all the debts. That's not sustainable, you know. That's you know you can argue that Man City and PSG etc have financial doping, but still their clubs are if you look at in term and that they get you know inflated sponsorship deals uh, to 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 pay for that. Be that as it may, the the pluses the, the revenue side is still greater than the you know it's it still matches the 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 expenditure size side and that's why they have success. They are able to pay the best wages. They are able to buy the biggest names. Because they have revenue, it's it's yeah. really that simple. Yeah, I just want to take I just want to take you back there. Surely, as most Inter Milan fans, if any, if the Inter Milan fans listen to this or any of our um, listeners listen to this, for any Inter Milan fan, that season must have been, I mean, tr- tr- truly memorable in 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 every sense of the word. First Italian club to do the treble. Uh, and most fans, I'm sure yourself will obviously always go to that Barcelona game as being the pivotal moments. But when you look back throughout that season, I mean, Inter Milan were actually, they nearly went out in the group stage, didn't they? Mm. And they actually, ne- and they nearly lost the league title to Roma as well. Yeah, yeah. It was such an extraordinary season. It really was. It was the most Inter season ever. I mean, Inter, <laughs> I mean, it really was. I mean, that was, that is, that to me just, the, the way Inter won that treble, all those titles, they won it in the most, Inter way possible, contro tutto e contro tutti, against everything and against everyone. Inter were under a lot of pressure. Um, they they felt that they were being harshly treated by the entire Italian establishment, which they kind of, to some extent, they were. But Mourinho capitalized on that building a siege mentality, which unified the club in a way that it never really has been. I mean, it's only never twice been before. It's it's during Trapattoni, Herrera, and Mourinho. That's the only time Inter and all their fractions have been united and moving in one direction. And that's that's the most successful period of the club's history. So that you know, that's that's just um, you know, that's just Inter. Uh, and Mourinho was you know, he was the perfect Inter coach in his mentality, the way he was a strong man, charismatic, uh, built on respect and hard work. And he found a group that suited him and he got all of them to, to die for him almost. And he, you yeah. know, there were people forget it's easy to only, to only remember the shine, the sunshine stories. But that first season when he failed against United in the Champions League and they got knocked out. That really, that really hurt Inter, and there was there were there were fractions going in. But he he went in there and he said what was needed to win the Champions League. The club delivered, and then they you know he's they with the Ibrahimovic deal financed everything. They got 46, 50 yeah. million euros plus Samuel Eto'o, which paid for all of their signings that season. Milito, Lucio, Snyder, uh, Thiago Motta, uh, and they got Samuel Eto'o on top of that. So I mean, it was it was that was five six starting players that came in, and and Inter were were a team that could play a four three one two. They could play a four two three one. It gave Mourinho all the tools he needed to win, uh, and and so he won. Uh, and it was the culmination of five years of winning and hard work on to, uh, that culminated that summer. So it was um, it was it was. I mean, for me, I mean, it's like when he came back to visit Inter last year, I think, or two years ago, when the Curva Nord wrote. The hell the banner that says for every second, for every moment, for every 
for every everything. Thank you, Jose. And it, it, it and I can and that's some sentiment not just shared by them. That's a sentiment shared by all Inter fans because the way the way he won that is the club's identity against everything and everyone. Despite all the bullshit and everything, all the chips stacked up against us, we won everything. And all your bullshit can stop that. That's the inter mentality. It always has been. Um, and and he he really embodied that. You know, for me, the, the game against Dinamo Kiev with Shevchenko scoring <laughs> the goal, the Milan Milan legend, legends Shevchenko, who always haunted Inter in the past. I mean, <laughs> there were so many psychological things that occurred that season. So many demons that that Mourinho, the exorcist, uh, uh, you know, got rid of. Shev the Shevchenko ghost by beating them away, the the you know the the Ancelotti ghost by beating Chelsea in the second round, uh, the, yeah, the, the, yeah. the 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 Ibrahimovic Messi ghost, you know, all all of that, you know, the the the, the goal del X ghost with Ibrahimovic leaving Inter to win the Champions League with Barcelona, and that entirely fell on its face. Instead, Inter go and win it, making Slatan yeah. look like yeah. an, making Slatan look like an idiot. Essentially, which is why I think, you know, I think he will admit that himself, but he probably, you know, he said, I left Inter to win the Champions League and Inter go and win the Champions League. <laughs> so the following season he leaves. I mean, that made him look like an absolute idiot uh, in many ways. Uh, but so, I mean, there, there's a lot of things that, that kind of happened that, that kind of it culminated. It was the perfect storm that season. And, and, and you know, I'm just glad that we, we experienced that because I don't think we'll ever experience anything similar to that, at least for another generation. Yeah. So are, were, you, were you surprised then, given, given the heights that were reached that season, are you surprised that how afterwards it all just basically capitulated and Inter Milan only really just started to recover, aren't they? That period from, from when Jose Mourinho left. I mean, there was a succession no, of managers I, I, that were just I was, clearly... I, I was expecting it because it was clear that Massimo Moratti was wanted out. It was clear that right. his business model was 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 not sustainable and they were poorly prepared for the modern football era. Um, I knew right. it was going to be a difficult period. Uh, and I think all yeah. Inter fans were. I think everyone was. And then the, and, and financial fair play on top of that. So I think we've all been prepared. And now Inter have recovered because Sooning are fantastic. Sooning are the best thing that have happened to Inter since the 22nd of May 2010. They have systematically built up a sustainable business model and partnership global branding model and financial model that works. Uh, now the final, the final step in that is the new stadium and they're working on that as well. Once that is done, Inter are flying. Great, yeah. Uh, I do, I really, it, it will, uh, it, w- it would be great to see them um, back amongst Europe's elite moving forward and like I said hopefully Conte was uh, for stay, will stay for at least one more year anyway No, I, I uh, hope my, my, in my best case scenario out of all this mess is Inter win the Europa League he goes out afterwards and reiterates 100% he's not going anywhere that he wants to stay the job isn't finished I'm here for the long run all the evaluations that we need to make we'll make together in private you know that he backs the club, that he backs himself and the club, and does does the the adult thing for once, uh, and 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 give and allows Inter to have that positivity around them, um, and that way, together with Marotta, uh, they they build a they, you know they they cash in on players that they need to get rid of, like Nainggolan, Perisic, Joao Mario, uh, Dalbert, uh, 
you know, all these, all this dead wood, or Vecino, Gagliardini, one of the two, and then they bring in if an, an Indombele type of player that he wants, or Sandro Tonali deal is finally wrapped up, they cash in on Brozovic as a, and keep Skriniar. You know what I mean? Like that, 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 that this, yeah. this is the, this is the best, best scenario in my, you know, in my, um, in my, uh, in my mind that can happen is they close ranks and they actually, you know, build something and, and say, you know, keep Skriniar and try to keep him, um, you know, at the club. And, and get him, give him more time to adapt to the back three. And then, you know, worst case scenario, keep him at the club for a season as a backup player. And then when Conte leaves, they play a back four again. They have actually, they actually have a team that is suited to that, you know? So, yeah. um, or, he, or he's suited to that. So, so that's, that's the dream scenario. Personally, I, I, as I said, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's, he's, I think Inter are going to win the Europa League. And I think he's going to, he's going to fight his way away from the club. Yeah, but you, you mentioned there about Inter's uh, failed business model, uh, sort of post 2010, uh, and how how that failed the club and has failed the club up until recently. Uh, the succession of managers during that period as well. You you, you quite look you, you look at let's say for example Rafa Benitez appointed uh, was appointed after to replace Jose Mourinho, and I mean it was quite clearly opposite in terms of his match management skills. Another manager that managed the club was Gasparini, mm. uh, who's obviously in Atalanta's uh, manager now. Now, what he's do- doing at that club is, what I mean, you could argue it's genius, uh, the level he's took that club to. When you look back on his very, very short period in charge of it, uh, Inter, is it, is it sad to see like some of the managers that manage them that may have been able to take the club on that, weren't given the chance. Gasparini being the, the prime example of that. Yes, because they were just brought on, brought in to to keep the state. There was no vision like it was under Mancini and Mourinho because there was no money, and you had an owner who wanted out and he wanted to to build, you know, long term. Who wanted to to uh, who wanted out and wanted to hand over the club to someone to to build and and, and turn it into go from the old ways to the to the new model, new business model. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, all those appointments were just mad. I mean, they signed they signed just Giampiero Gasperini, but they didn't give him a single player that he wanted and could work with. Yeah, that that's mad. Because I mean, again, if you hire an ideologue, you have to give him what he wants. Uh, Inter have done that with Conte. You know, he's been backed. He's an ideologue, but he's also been backed. Juve didn't yeah. do that with Sarri. Sarri's an ideologue. They didn't give him anything, but he still won because the quality of that squad is so good that he couldn't fail. So, yeah. so, so that's the thing. I mean, we've, we're, we are in an era with Liverpool. I think is a brilliant example of that with Klopp. It just goes to show how well they, you know, they brought in a manager with a clear identical, a clear tactical identity, and then they bought players that suited that, and all of a sudden they're the best club in the world. Yeah, you know, it's it's just they sold Coutinho, and everyone was upset. Oh, they have no ambition. Well, actually, they did. They 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 bought the right players at the right time that suited the right system to the right manager, and look at them now—they're flying. Yeah. So so that's that's what that is. I mean, Liverpool, you know, and Klopp was there for what four or five years before he even won a title. So you know, there is long term goal. There is long term. Uh, you have to have long term vision when building a football club if you want success. Uh, and 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 clubs that are successful and are good at doing that, uh, Juventus are a prime example of that. Uh, and, and and Liverpool is a brilliant example of that as well. You know, to me, as we've just spoken about. I mean, it's just. Inter had, didn't have that, but they were in a, such a bad place generally after 2010. 
that it was just about, you know, give this, you know, steady the ship until someone who, who is capable and competent to, to take this to the next step comes comes along. And they did in Suning. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Nima, I mean, uh, you mentioned the 2005 to 2010 era is the kind of a perfect storm especially the Mourinho spell but like like Chris and you discussed just now from 2010 onwards the storm just got negative and it, it kind of dis, it was kind of destructive so if, if you look at the number of managers who managed uh, Inter since 2010 since Mourinho left I guess you have 12 managers in the last decade which is like I mean, more than a manager every year. So yeah. that, that that is horrible because you, you're not even giving the manager a proper time to settle in. There's no proper plan. And some of the managers that you appointed there, I mean, Benitez clearly at Liverpool, he kind of fell out with Hicks and Gillett at the end. I mean, Hicks and Gillett were purely, you know, purely cheaters, I would say. I mean, they kind of ruined mm-hmm. Liverpool to an extent. Complete, uh, It was complete chaos. But Benitez also was kind of, you know, he was kind of like Chris mentioned, or or I guess it was you who mentioned. Like it's a complete opposite to Mourinho's man management. So that that was a wrong appointment. But then Leonardo came in for to fill in. Then Gasparini, Ranieri had come in. Walter Mazzari was there, and I think probably the worst appointment was Frank De Boer. I mean, that, that without was probably, a doubt, without yeah. a doubt, that was that was whatever that was. I'll never really know. It was, it was just stupid. I mean, the whole thing was just an embarrassment from start to finish. And the, I mean, this that was that was a record even by Inter's low standards to destroy the season before it even started. I mean, yeah. we there was no doubt in my mind that he would have been gone. He was gone two months at the top by November. He'd be out. I mean, we all knew the season was over before it started. Uh, and, uh, you know, so, but but then something good came from that because after that season, you got Spalletti who stabilized the club in the top four. That had as a prob- that had its problems as well. But now you have Conte to take the next step, and and it's it's a, it's 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 going in the right direction. Although you know there there have been mistakes made, but it's going in the right direction overall. Yep, and, yeah. and the the Spalletti uh, the Spalletti spell was probably uh, very positive and productive because you guys always finished in in a Champions League spot. I mean that that was something which was really important for Inter Milan as a club, and that really helped because Paletti tried to deliver and he kind of gave you the top four spots. But your club captain at that time, Moro Icardi, mm-hmm. and his wife had a different drama altogether. It was like a circus, a comedy circus. It was. A, it was. It really was. And one of the things that Suning and Marotta did, why that's why the appointment of uh, Beppe Marotta was so important. That uh, that you got right, and Inter really got that right. And I think he stays for at least another five, ten years because the man is simply phenomenal. Um, they don't want. They didn't want that, and they got rid of him. They got rid of Perisic. They got rid of Nainggolan uh, and all those destructive elements. Um, and you know, Icardi is history now. You know, and and they replaced him with Lukaku, and Lukaku has been so much better in every aspect of of the measurable, from off the pitch to the to to technically to tactically to you know whatever you whatever you whatever me, whatever metric you use, Lukaku has been better than Icardi. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I'm a bit, I'm a big, I'm an Everton season ticket holder, so I've watched <laughs> firsthand what Romelu Lukaku can do as a I mean, player. I mean, he's one of the best strikers I've ever probably seen at the club, myself personally. So 
I watched, I, mean, I, 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 I watched him play for Everton. I was uh, before before uh, West Ham left their brilliant stadium, their old real stadium. I was there and watched West Ham Everton, and Lukaku scored uh, a goal. They scored the goal uh, in a one-one game. Uh, yeah. He is. I mean, he was very young then. Uh, this was when, when, when this was five years ago, four years ago. It yeah, was, I uh, think. I rem- I mean, yeah, yeah, I think I remember the game. He he, he went through on goal and rounded the keeper, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, it was a Ross yeah. Barkley, Ross Barkley assist. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, no, it was. Um, no, it was. I mean, Lukaku is unbelievable. I think you know this of all the you know the, you know if if Conte that's the thing with Conte. I mean, he's always wanted to work with him. And this was right to bring him that, but it, just because he's right once doesn't mean he's always right. Uh, and and to me, this this obsession he has with Edin Dzeko, Olivier Giroud, and and Arturo Vidal is, <laughs> is unhealthy for him and for and for everyone. He needs it needs to stop. It really does. Yeah. Um, so no, for me, as far as I'm concerned, for as far as I'm concerned, you know, bring in bring in young and give him experience, but try to you know try to try to find a balance between the two. But for me, Tonali, you have to get Tonali, especially after Inter screwed up with Kulusevski. They had they could have gotten him, but he but yeah. Kulusevski Kulusevski took one conversation with Antonio Conte and had one with Maurizio Sarri, and he said, "I want Maurizio Sarri because Maurizio Sarri is more coherent." You know, yeah. he, he, he did not want to have anything to do with uh, with. Conte's with Conte's brand of football, yeah, we should, we should remember that. Uh, and Kulusevski is, and ironically, Kulusevski is a better fit to that trequartista role in Conte's football than Christian Eriksen is. That's yeah. the irony. That's the irony in all of this is that yeah. Christian Eriksen is would probably suit Juve more than Kulusevski. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, it's it's very ironic, but but. Conte screwed that up because he wanted to play him in one of those Metzala roles where he doesn't want to play at all. He wants to play centrally as a number 10 or on the wing. Well, he, he's not going to play as a wing back. That's just silly. You don't put Kulusevski as a wing back. Yeah. yeah. During that period, he didn't want to play a number 10. So instead, they went and got Christian Eriksen. I personally think that Kulusevski as a number 10 in, in, in Conte's system would have been phenomenal. But you know, the, he has his issues, and you, know, you have to take the good with the bad with Conte. And, and unfortunately, he 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 scared away Kulusevski, uh, and yeah. and that's that's much to Juve's you know that's much to Juve's um, gain, unfortunately. Yeah. So let, let's um, obviously we're coming towards the end of the podcast now, though. But give, given everything that you've said here, and let's say let's say your gut your gut instinct Nima proves to be correct. And Conti does leave after winning the Europa League. As a fan, who is the man to take into Milan forward if that happens? Who who would there's, you want to see take over? There's, there's only one person. Ma- Max Allegri is the only person Inter yeah. should go after. There is no one else. I know, you know, if if Inter can get Allegri, they get Allegri. Period. Full yeah. stop. He he's cleaned up after Conte has burned down the house before. Yeah. He, he's 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 a, he's he's a very underrated coach tactic, tactically. He's not a sexy name in terms of marketing, but the guy is brilliant tactically. Yeah, I mean, and he's very pragmatic, which you need to be. He's he's sane for once. You know, after Spalletti and Conte, I would like if Inter's coach would would be a sane person uh, as opposed to the madmen that have been in charge, uh, the eccentric, crazy people that have been in charge of the. Uh, have been managers the past three years. It would be nice with someone who has who is in control of his emotions and his his, his temper and it is otherwise sane. But uh, and and he's also you know he's very pragmatic. 
he's a company man. He doesn't complain. He doesn't throw people off the on, on, uh, under the bus publicly. He defends his players and his team. It, he would be a unifying. You know, he's he's old school in a way, but. But then again, but I, but I mean, the, some of the football he played, his Juve played, was was brilliant. Same with Milan, his Milan side. I mean, the guy, the guy is incredibly good, and he's very pragmatic. Yeah. He can play a four-three-one-two. He can play a four-two-three-one. He can play with a back three even. It doesn't. He, yeah. you know, he's very pragmatic like that. He gets the best out of what he's got. And after Conte, that's what Inter need. Inter will yeah. need. A unifying voice, uh, a calm, collected, professional guy, someone who, who can who can be the voice of reason and calm, as opposed to be the source of the madness. Yeah, I think one of the the great things about Allegri for me, where I mean, I I done an article for our website um, on Max Allegri. Uh, I think. I think it was some time ago now, but when I was researching, I was watching some of the Juventus games uh, to establish his tactics. One of the the great thing is that is his ability to change the tactics within the, within the game and change the game. And I always remember the the Juventus Tottenham Champions League game, uh, and people were saying, "Well, uh, and they knocked Tottenham out." And Tottenham from the from the outset, the game at Wembley, where they were saying that Tottenham was the better game, and then all of a sudden, uh, Max Allegri made a, a tactical switch with the Barla, and then and he took the game away from Tottenham, and he actually he knocked them out in that game. And I just thought, as a tactician. He, I think, like you said, underrated is probably an understatement. I think he's one of the best tacticians around at the moment. Couldn't agree in, in your, more. Yeah, in European football. Agree 100%. And he's, but the, the, the thing that's so interesting in that is that he's such a pragmatical guy. Um, yeah, he's uh, he doesn't whinge and complain. He he looks at the squad and he looks at it and says, "I'm going to get the best out of them." Uh, yeah, and he and he finds a way to sort that out uh, to get that. Um, I I think you know Christian Eriksen would 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 really thrive under him. Um, I, I mean he he's always played with a number ten. Uh, Christian Eriksen is that number ten. Um, right now Eriksen, I mean Conte backs. Christian Eriksen a lot, but Eriksen seems to be confused in that in in that system right now. But I think that's again more to do with the fact that uh, the midfield is imbalanced with Brozovic and Eriksen; they can't play together. Uh, yeah, so yeah. No, I, I think you know the the replacement has to be Allegri. To me, for me, yeah. it's Allegri. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they could yeah. go wrong with, with that appointment if if that was to happen. Like I said, I would love to see Conte stay on. And see what he can actually. Yeah, me too. As I said, as as I said, my dream scenario is he stays on. Is is that they keep Skriniar, they sell Brozovic, they bring in someone like Ndombele, someone that can do what he wants, that can that can that can hold the ball. They sign in Tolat, they bring in Tonali, and they offload this all of these this dead wood. That that would be interesting. Uh, That would really be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And before we end the podcast, Nima, I mean, one final opinion on Lotaro Martinez who's like who's like heavily linked with Barcelona because they it's quite clear that they've been following him for quite some time now but Inter have quoted huge huge fee which which is right right probably right because yeah he's 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 probably one of one of the most exciting young strikers in in the world of football right now so what's your take on the whole Martinez Lotaro Martinez situation do you think he'll move Next season, my my take is uh, that I'm tired of Barcelona always destabilizing clubs and players. Whenever they want someone, <laughs> they destabilize an entire club. Exactly. I mean, 
Every single player at Barcelona has spoken about Lautaro Martinez. Yesterday, Longley spoke about Martinez. Luis Suarez has spoken about Martinez. Lionel Messi has spoken about Lautaro Martinez. Arturo Vidal. I mean, this is this is this. They shouldn't be allowed to do this. If you yeah. want to buy him, pay what the other club wants. What they, I mean, what they did to Liverpool with Coutinho. Coutinho, what they, yeah. What they did to Arsenal with Cesc Fabregas. I mean, these are just two two memories, two two examples that pop into my head. They always do this. They always destabilize the player at the club he's at, and it's it's disgusting. They shouldn't be allowed to do that, and they get away with it, and no one says anything. Um, I personally think that Lautaro Martin. I mean, we all know that Lautaro Martinez has said it himself when he was younger that Barcelona is his favorite club. He will play for Barcelona at some point. The question is when, not if, if you ask me. Um, yeah. But Inter have decided that they want to build around Christian Eriksen and Lautaro Martinez, and they want to keep him. And Conte wants to keep him. Personally, I would have, ca- I mean, 90 million, if, if you can get 90 to 100 million for Lautaro Martinez, I would have cashed in immediately. I would have replaced him with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. You can get him cheap. He's on his last year of contract with Arsenal. That won't cost you too much. And I think Aubameyang and Lukaku up front would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, they definitely suit the Conte's brand of football. Uh, then you'd still have cash left over to buy the other players you want. So for me, I would do that. That's that's the that, that's the move I would make. Uh, but it's it's clear that they don't want to do that. They they see him as a marquee player that they want to build the brand around and blah 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 blah. And and personally, I think that you know whether it's a mistake or not remains to be seen. But it's clear that Lautaro wants to has an interest in Barcelona. I mean, he they are his favorite club. He wants to play with Lionel Messi at some point, other than just in the in the national team. You know, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, why why though at the moment, if you were Martinez, like said, like you said, he probably has a dream to one day play for Barcelona. I mean, he's still got quite a bit of his career to go. Why would you leave Inter Milan at the moment to go to Barcelona, given the state of Barcelona? And the mess that they're in as a club, he's got a really good partnership or effective partnership at the moment with Romelu Lukaku, and he's got yeah. a manager that believes in him at Inter mm. Milan. For me, at the moment, if he was to leave Inter Milan now to go to Barcelona, it would be career suicide, given what's going on no, in that club. I, I mean, I, but the thing is, I think at the end of the day, it's all about winning titles. I think him and Messi would would thrive together yeah uh, but i mean but i mean again the mercato is long we'll have to wait and see i mean i i wouldn't i still i still as things stand today it's clear they want to keep lautaro because yeah. barcelona can't afford to pay what they want and Bar- barcelona have come out and said that they can't afford to pay those kinds of sums because you know it, the situation they're in there's so there's such a horribly mismanaged and horribly run club uh, spending money on on things they don't need and players that don't suit the system and overpaying at times and stuff like that. So, so so they're they're in a mess financially. But but I I do think that at some point he's going to play there. Um, yeah. I th- and I think he wants to play with Martin with Lionel Messi. I mean that that would actually make sense because both of them are of same nationality as well and Argentina definitely needs someone to you know firepower them to an international title. It's been a long wait for them as a country so and that that makes sense as well in that uh, regard so yeah that that probably brings us to the end of this podcast thank you so much Nima for coming on to to the show and speaking so much amazing stuff on Inter the Serie A thanks yep yeah. I mean I'm 
I, I'm a big big fan of you on Twitter as well. Thanks. I follow you. I mean, been Thanks. following you for long, and yeah, I mean, there are certain uh, people who who are pretty amazing in terms of covering the Serie A. Yourself, David Amoyal, and uh, you know, Chloe. Uh, there, there are there are a lot of people. Uh, Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. I, I, yeah. I that really that really means a lot. I'm, I'm really humbled by what you're saying, and thank you so much. And. Yeah, happy it was my pleasure to come on Definitely. yeah no no the pleasure was ours really really, really great podcast could have sat yeah. here all day and just spoke about Inter Milan and Italian football and uh, for someone who's followed Italian football since I was a kid to, to get your opinions on it was fantastic so thank you very much for coming on thanks I really appreciate yeah. it yeah really so yeah that's it and thank you to all our listeners for tuning into this episode goodbye